Hi, everybody. So this is really exciting. We are here to have our latest episode of Chicks on Flicks. We are here to talk about Bridge Over the River Kwai. This is a, a classic film uh, from uh, David, director David Lean uh, and uh, from 1952 and uh, or 50, 1957, excuse me. And uh, Christine is here to talk uh, this, talk about this film and do you want to say hi? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Yeah. And uh, sorry that we're a little irregular. You know, it's just the, the bros are doing this uh, as our hobby. Uh, you know, we're just, we just do it the best we can. So thanks for being patient with us. And uh, we're you know, excited uh, to talk about this film. Uh, this uh, was one on Roger Ebert's list of his films that would restore your faith in humanity. And so it's going to be interesting to, to talk about his review and also sort of our thoughts about the movie. And, you know, he, he liked the fact that this movie uh, turned, I guess, war, instead of a typical war movie being about the war and about the battles, that this was a character piece uh, and really focused on these individuals uh, and their their journeys through this experience that they had, and uh, so I and I could totally see his perspective in that regard. And so, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to talk about. So, uh, what were some of your just overall basic thoughts about Bridge of the River Kwai? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I didn't like this movie. I was just telling Rachel that. Um, I hadn't seen it previous to this. I had very little idea of what it was even about okay. um, before seeing it. And just, uh, I, I just felt like this movie was distractingly racist, like overwhelmingly racist. Mm. And to the point where I had a hard time caring about the story or characters or anything they were presenting because of the way that it was all packaged. So, okay. Yeah. Well, so I had trouble with this movie. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Um, so I actually really enjoy this film. I think that uh, it, you have this standoff between these two generals. I think the, the sort of the changes that, uh, uh, that Colonel Nicholson makes, uh, are really interesting uh, the way that he goes from uh, being this in, to, to being the standoff uh, guy that he's not going to give in at all uh, for his, uh, his officers working to by the end, because he has <laughs> sort of, I guess, drank the Kool-Aid for lack of a better expression. He, he, he's not only ha- having his officers work on this, but he is going into the sick the hospital and, and <laughs> recruiting people. And, and, uh, and yet he, he realizes, I love, um, I think it's, uh, uh, Colonel, um, Clifton, Clifton. Uh, he's so great. He's kind of sort of the moral voice in this that, you know, he realizes that things have gotten completely, uh, that, that things have gotten out of hand. And, uh, uh, he, he even has the last lines of the movie, you know, madness, madness, and sort of the madness of war. And, and, uh, you know, he realizes that, that he realizes before Nicholson that this is helping the, the enemy, you know, for them, that this is a, not a good thing, but, but it's just, it's just the weirdness of war and the weirdness of things. And, 
so anyway, I, I really like that whole dynamic of kind of what happens with these characters. And I, I mean, I think there are weaknesses to the film, but overall I just find it very grossing and I, I like it. So there you go. Um, so, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, some of the positives, uh, that uh, we have in it. And then we'll, we'll both talk about some of those negatives. Um, so basically the story of the movie is, uh, this, uh, this camp, uh, this prisoner of war camp in Burma that they have to, uh, that the commander Colonel Saito uh, of the of the um, Japanese army has been commanded that they have to build a bridge, and uh, there is this whole battalion of British soldiers that has surrendered, and uh, so uh, that is led by Colonel Nicholson, and uh, he refuses initially to build the the bridge and he brings out the Geneva convention and says, you know, and to somebody like Colonel Saito, like that's just ridiculous. Like this is war. And anyway, and so uh, they, they have this standoff at first and there's also this, this Lieutenant, uh, this American uh, that is uh, there then named um, uh, Captain Shear or Commander Shears. And played by William Holden, and he is kind of cynical, and uh, he sees like kind of the ridiculousness of all parts of this, both sides. Anyway, and so he, they are able to get uh, kind of finally after uh, after Nicholson wins the battle of the officers' uh, training. Uh, are working on the bridge. Uh, he actually, once he's able to kind of be sort of tricked into believing it's sort of his idea <laughs> and that he, he sort of, uh, or not tricked, but once he ends up kind of feeling like it's his idea, then he becomes actually really excited about it. And that this is going to be like a gift for, for England and uh, to the, you know, to the world. And, and, uh, and anyway, so things just get kind of, out of control and uh, and then uh, uh, Commander Shears is able to escape and he ends up going back and uh, eventually ends up destroying the bridge uh, so but that's kind of the story but what I like about it like I said I think that it has really first of all it's super well made really great acting really great uh, cinematography and all the other production values but I think that it comes down to I just think it has really interesting characters I think that Colonel uh, Saito is very interesting uh, because he's somebody who uh, has experienced the West. He's an educated person. He knows he loves corned beef. He loves, you know, he wants to uh, be in a way like Nicholson, I think. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, Nicholson is this interesting character because he's been a soldier his entire life. He's always been in the army and uh, that's all he's sort of known. And so when he gets involved in this, this sort of project, he feels like, well, maybe I'm doing something that actually matters. So to me, that was interesting. I think, uh, well, anyway, I won't go into weaknesses, but that's, that's what I liked is particularly the battle between these two men. And uh, I think that they are both really well acted by uh, Susu Hayakawa uh, and uh, Alec Guinness. So 
those are some, did you have any, uh, any strengths that you felt about the film? Um, I, I'll borrow what my husband liked. Okay. <laughs> uh, cause I thought that was interesting. I, I, I didn't, maybe the cinematography was fine. There was okay. no point where I was like, wow, that's great cinematography. Um, but I, I, I might give it that. Um, my husband thought that this was just a really interesting movie from the standpoint of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an officer. My husband was an officer in the Navy. So he was able to experience, you know, military leadership firsthand, um, working with people both above him and, you know, under him. And, uh, so he thought it was just really kind of an amazing take on like what can happen as a leader, um, and how you can garner so much respect and admiration from your men that they'll follow you to the depths of hell or build a bridge for the enemy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so he thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't think of something about this movie that I enjoyed. No. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that the weakness of the film is probably, even though I think William Holden is a good actor, I think that his storyline isn't as compelling to me as the standoff between the two, uh, between the two leaders, in my opinion, when it keeps going back to him and, you know, hanging out with the nurses and then like uh, just his whole storyline, I don't think is, is all is as good. And I think they spend too much time on it. So that, I, that to me is uh, sort of the, the weakness of the movie. But um, uh, I, I, I do also, I think that the film builds tension really well, but I, I do think it, it's probably a little overlong. I think they, you could, you could have edited it a little bit more tightly. I, I think that the, particularly the standoff with uh, at the beginning uh, the standoff over the officers, I think that drags on a little bit too long. So those would be some of my uh, downsides. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, but I think that particularly the, uh, once they get started really building the bridge, I think it's, I think it's really, really great. I love it. So, um, so, all right, let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> why did you think, why did you think this was so racist? Oh my gosh. Um, I started taking notes at one point. It's, there are just so many things. Um, ah, where to begin? I think the, the most obvious place to begin is the sense of Western imperialism that just permeates the entire story. Um, comments like, thanks to the Japanese, we have a rabble on our hands. Um, let's teach the Japanese something about methods of Western efficiency. Uh, you know, it was just this constant, like, let's show them what the British can do. Like the Japanese are so bad at everything. Like they don't know how to build a bridge. And then when it's like, well, what's wrong with the bridge? It's like, oh, they're building it at the widest part of the river and they're building it in the softest mud. Like we're going to be drilling, you know, we're going to be digging till doomsday before this will work. And it's just like, it just has these Japanese people as like completely incapable um, you know, unmotivated, like Saito doesn't even want to be there. He's like, I wanted to be a painter, but I wasn't even a very good painter. And he's just pathetic. You know, he cries when he loses control. Um, after that, he just sits 
and watches him, you know, he just watches Nicholson do everything. It's just, um, the, the, the Brits. Oh my gosh. It was just, oh my gosh. And if they said jolly good show one more time. Oh, and then it was just tea. It was just stereotypes everywhere. And I just felt like in the end, it didn't feel to me like an anti-war movie. And that I recognize is an opinion. You know, this is the kind of movie where it's good because of what you get out of it, you know? So it's like, if someone watches this movie and they feel like the madness of war is reinforced in their mind, then it's a good movie for them, like subjectively. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. I I, I push back with you a little bit on that. I I don't necessarily think that it not being an anti-war movie is a bad thing. I think it, it's sharing this experience and having you sort of decide whether it's anti-war is a good thing. I think it actually is somewhat complex on, because there is a side of you that says that kind of can, can kind of at the beginning, at least sort of, you want to sort of agree with what Nicholson is doing, you know, and, and that, it, that, Oh, this is like so constructive and everything. But then you realize like, this is going to be aiding a, a train that's going to be taking, <laughs> taking, you know, hurting the allies, you know, and hurting the, and so uh, it's, it's in, I actually like that it's sort of complex and that it's not an anti-war movie. Oh, well, so I didn't see it as an anti-war movie. I, the reason I made that comment was because it was marketed that way. Um, and a lot of like when I looked up reviews and was reading about it, people were like, this is one of the greatest anti-war movies of all time. And I was like, mm. so, yeah, so I don't if you agree don't see with it that. that way, I yeah, don't agree then, with that. I think it, I think it has, I think it's, it, it, it does have a theme of the madness of war, but I don't think that necessarily means anti-war. Uh, I, I think that, uh, it's just about these characters who, are caught in a war. Um, but I've certainly seen, I guess, a lot more heavy handed anti-war mm, movies mm, that were a lot more I emotionally manipulative. And I, I don't think that this, this was that, I guess. Mm. So I wouldn't describe it in that way, but it's interesting if other people, I think it's a movie that you can really interpret a lot of different ways. You can interpret think, it a lot of different which ways. Which I think yeah, is sure. a strength of the film. Uh, that uh, that it's not one that's preaching to you, uh, in my opinion, uh, about uh, this is this is the way to look about uh, these characters. It's interesting that you felt that Saito was pathetic. I actually found him to be a really human character because he is somebody that has experienced lots of different things, and uh, so he's not just sort of the um, the evil uh, evil bad guy kind of thing. Like he. Uh, and he, he knows, he knows what will happen to him if he fails at, at this. Something that he's, I mean, what does having, being in a, uh, in a general have anything to do with building a bridge? You know what I mean? Like, that's not a skill set of a soldier. And so I think that, he's completely in over his head and I didn't take it as like all Japanese people. Nobody can build a bridge. I just took it as these people um, don't have the skills, you know, and, uh, and I don't know. I actually, I thought he was a really great character. I thought that was really moving when he cried. 
I, he's somebody who's just kind of hanging on for dear life. And, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to, uh, and he, he admires Nicholson, I think. And, uh, and he's envious of him in a way. And I think in some ways, Nicholson is envious of Saito in certain ways. And, uh, so yeah, I didn't have that issue. I, I can see your point of view, but, uh, I, I actually, I really like the performance and I like, that's what was the strength to me about this movie was these two, these two men, uh, kind of, uh, batting heads together. Uh, and you see, and I just think the transformation behind Nicholson of going from this person who is completely against it is not going to want anything to do with it. And once his, once he sort of wins, he has a victory in a way, then all of a sudden, like, it's, it's almost like that gives him a chance to sort of breathe and be like, all of a sudden, and now all of a sudden he's sort of more open to those things, which I, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I, I agree that Saito is envious of him and admires him, but I just saw that as a reinforcement of the superiority of Western civilization and engineering um, that Nicholson has put, like, he's just so great. And Saito is just so frustrated because he's just not as good, like, at anything. So I, I would agree with the interpretation of what the characters are doing, but then I guess we take it in completely different directions mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. we feel about that presentation. Yeah, which is completely fair. Uh, I, I guess I didn't take a sort of broader, I just looked at it as just these two characters, not as yeah. like a representations of their race. Right. Um, so, you know, and that's totally fair. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just different ways of, of looking at it. Uh, yeah. I, did, did, did you like any of the acting? Do you think they were good at all? Um, I mean, I think Alec Guinness is always good. Um, so I think maybe I was taking him for granted, you know, that, that he was going to be good in this movie. Um, but I just, I, I just got so caught up in the things I didn't like. And even Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, it's, it's even outside of Saito. It's even like the Japanese engineers that are incapable. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and part of my experience watching the movie too is like, I, I compared this movie to a lot of others. Like I compared it to Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. I compared it to, um, also Southwest. directed by David Lean, right. Also with Alec Guinness mm-hmm. in it. Um, and I compared it to South Pacific, which came out a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of similar themes and a lot of similar problems. Um, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about Lawrence of Arabia and how my experience with that was so different. Um, yeah. I, I loved it, you know, and part of that was, is, Fact is stranger than fiction. It really, really is. There are things that you can get away with when you're telling a true story that you can't get away with when you're making up a story. So for instance, in Lawrence of Arabia, when, um, you know, Lawrence is like wearing his flowing white robes and he's like on the trade and all the, like, there are so many theatrical things he does that when I was watching that movie, I would look it up and be like, there's no way this was real. You know, like, and if it's not real, if someone's just making it up, then it's absolutely the white savior trope. But then you mm-hmm. look it up and you're like, oh no, this was real. So therefore I give it a pass mm-hmm. because it's just the way it was. And so with this movie, I started doing that. And I was like, was there really this battalion that undermined the, you know, their, their um, captors by beating them at being better engineers and all this stuff. And I looked it up and it's like, no. No, that is not what happened. 
like there is, this is just about as realistic as like Disney's Pocahontas when it comes to what happened. Like there was technically like the guy who wrote it was a French guy. He was a prisoner of war, but he had nothing to do with any bridge building story or anything like that. There was a bridge that was built over the Mekong river, which was later part of it called the Kwai river because there were so many tourists coming to see it. Mm. And so <laughs> the Thai people were like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's over there. It didn't, it wasn't. A, and, and this whole, um, like Nicholson is based off of a real Colonel. Uh, his name was Colonel Tusi, who was, he, he, his, his approach, uh, his rebellion was, was so completely different than, than this movie. It was the opposite. Like he would try to subtly sabotage the bridge. They would poorly mix their cement or they would put ants in the wood. Um, and he would do that because he wanted to rebel, but not in a way that would endanger his men. And so when he saw, and he lived, and when he saw this movie, he was very upset that people took this movie as seriously as they did. That when we say based on a true story, people just take it as like, oh, I'm sure they took a couple liberties. And so he was very frustrated, especially in the scene where like, um, Saito says to Alec Guinness, you know, like make your officers work or I'm going to shoot you all right now. I'm going to kill all of you. And he's like, Geneva convention by golly. And then they get kind of saved, you know, by a coincidence. But he, the thing is, is the, the man that this was based off of, he's like, I would, I would never do that. I would never risk all the lives of all of my officers in order to make this kind of point. Um, so anyway, so, uh, so that was just really, so I was like, so nothing gets a pass, you know, the exoticized Thai, Thai women falling in love or giving googly eyes to the American and the Canadian. I was like, none of this gets a pass because it's not real, mm-hmm. you know, because, so all it falls under is just what, what the movie makers wanted. So. I can agree. I definitely can agree with you about the women. I think, like I said, I thought that the, the, the William Holden part, uh, uh, commander shares, I think that that is to me the weakest part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely the slowest part of the movie. I just think his character is less interesting. I've seen that sort of cynical, uh, captain kind of thing a lot, you know, just catch 22 or, you know, just lots of different, different things. And so to me, that's, that's not really that interesting, uh, where, uh, yeah, I think maybe it just comes down to, do you find this sort of battle of wills between these two people? Do you find that interesting? Do you find that compelling or, or, you know, or, or do you, does it, you know, do do you not, you know, does it bother you? And, uh, so I, I can, I can see where you're coming from and I can see what you're saying about the true story aspects of it. Uh, and I do think that Lawrence of Arabia is a better movie just because Lawrence of Arabia is so unique and so different. And, uh, the, you know, just like every, it was just like every scene of Lawrence of Arabia to me was just like, I did not think that was going to happen. <laughs> I did not think they were going to do that. And then there's like this and this and this and it, I, I did, it did not feel you know, three hours to me. And a lot of people think that's boring. I disagree. I did not think that was boring. And this, I do think that there are parts that it feels three hours. And so I, 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 I do think that Lawrence Arabia is a better film. Uh, but 
I, 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 this resonated with me. I, I, I do think that, uh, the, these two characters are really interesting, Saito and Nicholson. And I think, uh, the, the, I guess for me, I was willing to sort of suspend disbelief that like this particular platoon of Japanese soldiers didn't have a very good engineer, you know, like, and Saito was having to kind of figure this out on the fly. And, uh, and, uh, you know, there was a certain desperation in his, in, in him, you know, that he, uh, he knew he was on this unmeetable deadline. He was on this. And I think that's part of the reason why it wasn't working out, you know, all that well is because it was this, this crazy deadline and they're rushing and everything. And, uh, you know, he's, he has to get these, these British, you know, soldiers to, <laughs> to work with him, but you know, he's got this stick in the mud with Nicholson. Uh, and then I think that Nicholson's pride is interesting to me. Uh, you know, that he, he's so strong and he's, he's willing to go into the hot box for all this time and uh, over, over this issue of his, of his officers. But then as soon as uh, he wins in a way uh, he, it's almost like he's sort of done. And then he's able to kind of, you see him progressively sort of give up, everything that he just sacrificed and fought for with this whole standoff at the beginning. So that's what I think is sort of interesting and that the pride of both of these men and how it's, it's sort of uh, plays in, into, into their choices and, and their decisions and everything. And so uh, I, I can, I, I can understand. Uh, I can understand what you mean, but well, I do. I, oh, I think you make a lot of valid points. Um, and, and this is why I love talking movies with you. Cause I, I, I appreciate you being so understanding, you know, of what distracted me. Mm -hmm. And I think that distracted is a good word for it because, you know, while I think there are definitely some obvious issues and I would stand by that, you know, you're really pointing out to me that this movie does have a lot of redeeming qualities. There is a reason that it's revered as a classic. Um, Well, and I understand because like I saw this year, I saw the movie Silence and I thought that movie was horrible. Mm. Now, if somebody were going to have a discussion with me and say like, wow, it had some really good performances and had, you know, and, and explain their, their view, I totally would agree with them because it's a well-made movie. Mm. Um, and, uh, or recently with the glass castle, I had the same experience. My friend Sean went and it totally reminded him of his family and, and the, the, the situations that he grew up with. I saw it and I thought it was so infuriating, but not in a good way. I thought, right. I felt like what the, I felt like what the directors did was very manipulative and very uh, offensive to me. And so it it is interesting. Like nobody's wrong, you know. It's just a it's just a discussion of uh, of different ways of looking at things. So I I don't have. Sometimes I think people uh, get very personal. Like you're insulting me if you didn't like something <laughs> I liked, and that's just ridiculous. That's nonsense. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I can totally see what you mean because you saw it from sort of a broader, I think, perspective than I did. Well, and I think too, I mean, we bring so many of our own personal experiences to things mm-hmm. like this, you know, like my husband bringing in his military experience right. that changes his viewing. Um, me, you know, knowing so many Japanese people and mm-hmm. knowing the culture so well, like I feel more defensive of the representation of the Japanese because of that experience. Um, and, 
also, <laughs> I have an issue with British people sometimes. Like, there were some issues there. Even in Japan, like, that was mm-hmm. where I had my most exposure to people from England. And oftentimes, my interactions with them were really frustrating because of the attitudes that they had about how superior they were. Um, See, I'm like a total Anglophile. Like I love all things British. Like I love, I I mean, I had like a whole party for like the, the Royal wedding. Like I am, I am huge. That's so funny. Right. So we we bring this, right. So it's going to change like our comfort levels with different statements being made, you know, um, yeah, I, I could totally see how, how that's, you know, affected things. And, um, yeah, I won't ramble on. Yeah, but. no, but fair enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'll just read a little bit what Roger thought. Um, he, uh, I, I, I think that this is an interesting point. He says most war movies are either for or against their wars. The bridge on the river Kwai is one of the few that focuses not on larger rights and wrongs, but on individuals. Uh, he says, like Robert Graves' World War One memoir, goodbye to all that. It shows men grimly hanging on to military discipline and pride in their units as a way of clinging to sanity. By the end of Kwai, we are less interested in who wins than in how individual characters will behave. So there you yeah. go. So that's Roger, uh, his view. I'll put a link to his review if you want to check it out. Uh, so he described it as, uh, he says, uh, he says the last words in David Lean's The Bridge on the River Quiet are madness, madness, madness. Although the film's two most important characters are both mad, the hero more than the villain, we're not quite certain what is intended by that final dialogue. Part of the puzzle is caused by the film's shifting points of view. Mm-hmm. So. I yeah, think that's interesting too. I did. I read an, a review online too, where you know people were. I was reading all these Reddit forums where people were discussing whether or not they thought this movie was racist. And this one guy okay. was like, "I don't think it's racist as much as it is nationalist." You know, like the the guys are like, "Oh, you know, go Britain." And uh, <laughs> I would kind of compare that to the scene in like Master and Commander. Did mm-hmm. you see that movie? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. Well, there is a moment. Um, where Russell Crowe says this ship is England and they're at war and everything. And he's, he's pretty much creating this moment where it's like the ship that they're on represents their country. And to me, that's nationalism in its best form. I love that moment so much in that movie. But the thing is, is like their opposer, the French Navy feels equal to them. There's this immense amount of respect that these two captains have for each other. Um, fear and respect and frustration, but it felt more like they were more equally yoked, particularly in their ability to do what they were doing. And maybe that's what I feel is missing here, but I think it wasn't only that, but it's even just the way that it's phrased. And maybe I'm getting too much into semantics that way, mm-hmm. but there were just so many lines of this movie where they would specifically put down Japanese capabilities. Um, you know, especially this the line where they were like, let's, let's teach these Japanese a thing or two about methods of Western efficiency. And I was just like, dude, like they were building bridges before, oh, just like since the dawn of time. Like, like, especially if you're going to talk engineering. Um, anyway, so the guy who was like, oh, it's more nationalist than racist. I'm like, it um, often amounts to the same thing. 
it's kind of like patriotism, you know, Mm -hmm. like patriotism can bleed into xenophobia so quickly. And I think that at its purest patriotism can be a, a really good thing, but you have to be careful, um, about how far you go with some of those sentiments. Mm-hmm. I think nationalism is a very similar thing. I think nationalism can be okay. I think it's good to be proud of your country. It's good to want to prove, you know, that your mm-hmm. country has something special to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the difference is just when you make it at the cost mm-hmm. of, you know, seeing another country as, as equal or even human. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a totally fair point. I could totally see how if you were looking at this from a, a, a like a macro perspective, uh, then that's fair, completely fair. I was just looking at these two men and uh, they're, uh, so I was looking at it as more of a narrow perspective. And I think right. that's what Roger was too. And uh, so, you know, that's just, it's, it's, it's a, um, it's just a, you know, a different way of looking at it, which is, which is why we have these discussions and have this podcast. And uh, this did get, uh, a, a lot of Oscars, um, not that that necessarily means it's great, but, um, it did, it got best picture, best director, best actor for Alec Guinness. It had a nomination for Susi Hay- Hayakawa, um, which is kind of cool, uh, for that era, I guess, to have, uh, best adapted screenplay, uh, best music, the score. I love the score. I think is great in this, um, film editing and cinematography, all one. So. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty interesting. And so, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And when you, a lot of times people, I appreciate the fact that you are willing to say that you don't like a classic film because there's some people I think that feel like you almost have to like uh, classic films and that's just ridiculous nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of classic films that I don't care for and, uh, and that I can see why other people like Dr. Zhivago, another David Lean film. <laughs> I, it's not a bad film, but I didn't really love it. I had mm-hmm. issues with it. I didn't really like the characters. Anyway, we can go into that in another podcast, I guess. But, uh, but it, 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 there, there are everybody, every film fan has classic films that, they don't like or otherwise you're not really being honest. I don't think <laughs> you like every classic film. Um, so I, I think that's totally valid and totally fine. So uh, if you consider you didn't like it, what, what would you give it like one to 10? Where would you rate, rate it? Um, I think I would, I would be being silly if I was like, oh, it's a zero or two or something, you know, it'd, it'd just be me trying to prove that I don't like it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would consider watching this movie again, especially with someone who enjoyed it to kind of, you know, talk about it. And mm-hmm. so for that, it deserves a few more points, right? Like there are some movies that are so bad. You're like, I don't need to see this again. There's nothing to learn here. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm done. Um, so I, I would give it a four. It's to me, it's less than okay. Like five is okay. It's, okay. it's less than okay, yeah. but it, um, I think it has potential. I think there's context to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I recognize this movie was made 1957. The, the war was still very fresh in people's yeah. minds. Um, and I think that, you know, the cinematography was, was decent. And I think that if I watched it without being so distracted, um, I would probably like that cinematography more. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the acting, I think if I gave myself time to enjoy it, then mm-hmm. I would probably like that as well. So I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Sounds good. That sounds very fair. Um, so I think I would give it an eight. Uh, I, I think that it, I really like the journey of these two men and I really like the performances of the two men. Uh, but I do think that it is overlong. Uh, and I think that it, uh, it, I don't think that anything with the commander shears is, is as good or as compelling or interesting. And I recognize some of those weaknesses that you talk about, um, like with the women and other, you know, some of the other characterizations uh, can be a little broad. Uh, but I don't know. Overall, I think it is a very imp- compelling character study. I think it's very well acted. I think that it uh, is uh, very well made as far as the like cinematography, the score, the, the other things. I enjoy watching it. I think it's a good movie, um, but it, I don't. It's not like my favorite movie ever made. But uh, so I'd give it an eight. I eight out of ten. I think uh, for me. So there you go. Uh, that's our like a bridge on the river Kwai. Uh, so we will let you know what we're going to talk about next. Uh, you want to make sure you follow us at chicks on flick on Twitter. Uh, I have a very exciting announcement that I was able to get Rachel's reviews on to iTunes. So I'm going to put a link in the description section here. Uh, please go on there, subscribe to our iTunes. And if you could leave a, a positive review, I would love it. We would love it. Both of us would love it. Uh, that's a very exciting. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I figured it out. I you know, just sort of this podcasting thing, just sort of figuring it out as I go. And so I figured out iTunes yesterday, which was very exciting. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So check that out. And, uh, you know, we'll have some fun upcoming podcasts. Uh, I'm, I've been working with a friend of mine, Patrick. Uh, we are going to be talking about Blade Runner coming up, which will be really fun. Uh, I'm also going to be doing another one in the next couple of weeks on uh, Big Trouble Little China, whatever. Big I don't Trouble know. Little China. Little, little China, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it, so oh. that's going to be fun. <laughs> With my friend AJ. So uh, anyway, so lots of fun things going on and new experiences and everything. So uh, this Sunday, uh, the family movie night pick is Swan Princess. So uh, tomorrow you want to check that out. Uh, And um, so anyway, lots of fun stuff. And so where can people find you? Um, people can find me at on YouTube at um, youtube.com slash C Tyler vision. Um, or you can just look up Christine Tyler and I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I am also doing a monthly bookstagram challenge, which is where you take pictures of books on Instagram, uh, with my friend, Chris Atkins. And so you can find that, uh, what is it? It's Instagram. My name is C Tyler books. Um, and this month's theme is Harry Potter and we are doing a Harry Potter themed prize box. And we got like time turners for, because we have two boxes. So we have, you know, time turners in each and I'm going to knit scarves uh, for people's houses. It's just going to be so cool. So definitely check us out on Instagram. It's uh, C Tyler books. And uh, my friend, Chris Atkins is Chris Atkins writes. Uh, it's just all one word. So yeah, okay, great. we'd love people to join in on that. Yeah. I'll have the links down in the description section. You want to check out that out for sure. So thanks so much for talking about this. I know it's hard sometimes if you have an unpopular opinion and I really respect what you had to say. And so thanks for 
for joining me and talking about Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you letting me share it with you. So thank you. No problem. Uh, So yeah, and we, like I said, we'll talk and figure out what we're going to do next. And uh, so thanks. And uh, we will see you all later. All right. Bye. (laughs)